0: This is Baja SAE Shop Talk, the official podcast of the Baja SAE Series. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is Mike Sorg, the podcast and video producer for the SAE CDS Series. We got a big one for you this week. This week, we're going to talk about standards, SAE standards, what happens in the rest of SAE. Of course, if you can listen to the news program that's on this feed or in the video version on YouTube, our friend Scott has been telling us that these were coming up. You're going to learn about the ins and outs of SAE International, not just what's happening out there in the field at your competitions. And we do have with us the co-host of the cds action news series and the university support uh specialist over with the cds series scott schultz we added specialists to make it sound fancier this week. i know i like it. and it's good to be back yes yeah, good to have you on the show uh in the podcast forum uh depending on what feed you're on here maybe it's the first time you've heard them in the general podcast with me along with them so i'm very excited to have uh you back in the studio here and we're uh, going to learn a bit more about what are the ins and outs of SAE International. And we have two fantastic guests with us today. First of all, David Alexander, the Senior Director of Standards at SAE International. How are you doing, David?
1: Very well, thanks. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: And then we also have Christian Teeley, the Ground Vehicle Standards Director at SAE International.
2: Thank you very much for having me. We're looking forward to our
0: discussion. So let's get right into it. Can you guys uh, talk about the creation process development for standards development here at SAE?
1: Absolutely. So we actually have almost 10,000 active standards at SAE, and they're maintained by over 700 technical committees, working groups, and task forces, and these in turn comprise of over 14,000 experts and leaders from across the industries that we serve, the aerospace, automotive, and commercial vehicle sectors. So anybody that's listening here that is either an existing member of a committee, a contributor, or, and this is something we're really excited about, somebody that could, be, could become a member of, the, of, of one of these committees after the podcast, you're in great company. So here's how the process works. It all kicks off with the project initiation, so the the committee confirms a project, assigns a writing team made up of of experts from, from the committee, and then they set some deadlines and milestones for the project. The document draft is then developed through committee meetings, document working meetings, and alongside there's some great networking and community that we'll talk a lot more about as we, as we go forward. But once the, once the project leader that we call the, uh, the document sponsor and his or her work group have, uh, have, 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 have fleshed out the document, they feel that it's in a good position to then take to the rest of the, uh, of the committee to, to get their views, they finalise the draft and prepare that final draft for balloting. The balloting process is really one of the most important parts of the, uh, of, of the process Um, This is giving that document to the committee, to the the technical peers on that committee to deliberate and to make sure that when we put that standard out, it reflects the consensus of the stakeholder community, those all across industry, but also partners from from the research community and government agencies. So the balloting process has to be of very, very high integrity. It's really important. It's very robust. Very fair, very open, and very transparent. Now, once all of the comments have been resolved, and we do come to that consensus, the document is then it then goes through the publication process. It's formatting, we check all the copyrights, and then it's published. But it doesn't stop there, and it's really important to to, to note that this is this process is not a line but a circle. So, after it's published, the important part is then that it's uh, it's used. It's 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 in the market it's used by, by industry, it's used by regulatory agencies. And then through that usage, we gain by experience. So we get that, that really important that vital feedback from the users that we can then bring into the next revision of the document. These are living documents, and they go through an iterative process of improvement in, in that particular area.
3: That's wow, all very uh, interesting. And a lot more goes into that than I, I would think a lot, but that's even more than I would even think. So what is the structural makeup of committees and how do you solicit your members? Yeah, um,
2: and, and this is a, a vital, vital part of, 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 of how we are and what we are and how we do things. Um, SAE standards development committees are organized in industry-specific areas and, and generally use the following structure um, where we have executive standard committees. Um, these are established councils, and confirm and appoint council chairs. We have council chairs and that are also voting members. And we have a large membership um, at discretionary uh, that are discretionary of of voting members as well. Um, We also have a council um, that has an oversight and, and management of their SAE standards programs areas. And then we have a membership at discretion of voting members, chairperson, that is nominated by the outgoing chairperson for concurrence by the respective council members. And then we have established technical committees as well that support that council. And then ultimately, those technical committees um, are the ones that do the the majority of the work and effort. Um, Their focus is obviously on document development um, and and maintenance and promotion within their scope um, of the charter that is designed for that technical committee. And then membership is including at-large members at the discretionary, uh, respective to the chair. Um, the committee chair is nominated by the committee's voting members and forward to their respective council for review and approval. And then the chair establishes task forces and working groups um, that the chair appoints. The critical elements of standards development efforts, and, and for us, we solicit through events we have more than 450 events that that, throughout the year throughout all of our organization um and and the other key areas obviously se.org forward slash standards forward slash development Um, this site is very intuitive Um, it shows what standards are being developed organizational charts Um, it allows us to coordinate meetings um, schedule and respond uh, to call for experts it allows us to join a committee um, and, and helps also in, in bringing new proposed um, standards and, and new technologies, um, i.e. Uh, automated technology, etc. And it al- allows us also to ask, access all of the lists of standards that are under development for all the members that, that want to participate. Um, the committee responsibility is obviously preparing and developing those standards maintaining and promoting all of those standards, and then relevant technical reports within their scope. So there will be technical reports that are delivered as well. And then complying with SAE and Executive Standards Committee, the ESC, is, is the, the oversight as as well as the council and, and the committee policies and procedures
0: can be accessed at that point. So what is the process for people interested in joining the Standards uh, Committee?
2: That is uh, relatively easy in regards to they can access the website, as mentioned earlier, SAE.org, standards.org. They can also reach out to ourselves and and the committee chairs that are listed on that um, to say, hey, we have interest in perhaps electrification. We want to work on on standards that have to do with charging. Um, For instance, um, dealing with with a specific J document. Um, We can assign and, and direct them to those committees. Um, They would have to, depending on what level they want to uh, be uh, part of that committee, be it if they're a voting member, they would have to join that committee concurrently three times in a row. Um, And once they do it three times in a row, then they become part of the committee and then also have the ability to, uh, based on the chair's recommendation, to become a voting member. Um, These are all individuals. These are not company uh, people, although they work for organizations and companies that have vested interest in making certain that their people are joining SAE standards to help drive uh, industry standards, Um, these are individuals in representing themselves as industry experts within these organizations. And so we try to help steer them and guide them based on their expertise, which committees um, would best benefit them. And that can be easily accessed again through SAE.org or through reaching out to our uh, committee managers or myself included.
3: So we've been talking a lot about these committees and all that they do. Uh, just wondering some of the challenges that they face.
1: So I want to try and t- turn that question on its head and really look at what are the, what are some of the opportunities for, for engaging with the, but um, with, with, with the committees. Um, committees necessarily need experience and, and expertise. There's a lot of technical expertise and technical integrity that, that goes into the standards and that really underlines the, the reason why these standards are used, the, the trust that industry and government agencies have in relying upon the SAE Consensus documents. However, this doesn't mean that committees should be comprised solely of 30 year plus industry veterans. As we know the, the workplace across the board as well as within our particular mobility sectors really is changing rapidly as, as there's an increase in, in retirements. But there's also a dynamic and exciting landscape of, of startups and, and new entrant companies challenging the markets, bringing increased innovation. And there's a great need for new ideas and, and innovation to to come into the standards, to influence the standards and, of course, the certification they support, as well as forming the next cohort of SAE committee members and leaders. So there's a great opportunity for people coming in, not just those in industry, also students, to, to, to come in and start to develop those networks and start on that leadership path through the SAE committees.
0: How can students get involved, and are there opportunities in current committees, uh, benefits for any of these students joining right now?
1: So I think there's, there's, there's opportunities in every single committee. Every single committee that, that, that we have at SAE are open to all interested parties and we would really, really welcome the engagement of students in those, in those committees. Um, first of all, let's, let's reiterate some of those benefits of, of participating with, the, um, with, with SAE standards that, that Christine had talked about. Um, it's networking with, with, with a whole stakeholder set. So it's customers, it's partners, peers, suppliers and, and, and regulators. It's gaining an overview of the industry rather than just a particular segment somebody's involved in. You're in a a wider stakeholder set and you're really gaining that overview of the uh, the wider industry that you're in. You're learning about the -the state-of-the-art technology. You're kept informed of the technical standardization landscape and progression. And also, you're not just contributing to a technical work. You're also, through that standard, influencing the global market by contributing to the standards development. So when it comes to students, you know this is really your opportunity to start this, this learning, to, to, to be growing within this network, growing your networks, developing your expertise, actually alongside future employers and contributing at the same time. And we know that the industry members on that committee are really, really interested in seeing who's the talent coming up from universities that can sit alongside them Um, in their professional careers?
2: Yes, so so, so in addition to that, obviously SAE's technical standard development program and its global presence fosters international participation as well, Um, improving product performance and safety, promoting global market acceptance of new technologies, i.e. automated driving, um, charging infrastructure, etc. And ultimately what what it does to these these standard committees that we want to bring people into Help uh, industry and and organizations and companies within industry to reduce costs because now you have a group and an organization that is uh, setting those guidelines for development and design and development, which is pretty vital to
3: industry. What is the importance of students understanding and utilizing these standards?
1: It's really workforce readiness. In addition to uh, to all of those benefits about engaging with the, with the standards, the knowledge of using those standards, which may actually come through the participation in in, in one of our design competitions and aero design or, or Formula SAE um, or Baha and so on, um, it's it's it, it's being able to be familiar with and use what is a key component of working in in industry or indeed. Um, in the research world or uh, or in governments. The industry is increasingly relying on consensus documents, on consensus standards, um, as it works through research, design, production, certification, maintenance, and so on. So having that understanding of what standards are, how they're being used, sets you up very, very well for... Success entering into the professional world.
2: Absolutely, David. And and along that line too, it's it, it's providing a forum for resolving common issues um, that, that the industry is faced with. So you're with your peers um, and 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 discussing and solving these issues and problems, which is so vital. Um, and on top of it, working uh, with other mobility professionals and industry groups and, and government regulatory bodies um, is is part of the growing experience for developing um, personal growth and leadership. Um, so so we're helping that along the way. And then obviously you are continuously staying up to date with the technologies and, and, and the emerging space um, with current activities that are happening in the industry and, and allowing yourself to develop those key contacts um, with key customers, suppliers, and industry professionals, which is vital as well.
0: I'm sensing a lot of uh, 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 talk about, you know, Kind of that, that community around everything uh, that 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 seems to be uh, ingrained
1: in all of this. Absolutely the um, the the output of the standards committee is a standard, but but of course. But what's even more important to those that are, that are participating is that community community aspect, the network. One of the greatest insights I had very very early on in my in my SA career um was talking to an engineering manager um at airbus who was he was he was a sponsor of documents he was a key committee participant he actually led a couple of our um of our technical committees and uh, and and, uh, and 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 now supports us in his um um uh, after he's retired from industry but he said that yes that the standards are why we're there but the real the real value he got was that he was able to engage with his with his peers so he was at he was at Airbus and through his engagement in the committee and the community that was fostered through that committee he was able to pick up the phone to his counterpart at Boeing and talk about a technical issue that they they might commonly have so they could work together and solve the issue together and i think that's that, that that's just a, a a tremendous value of that of that community that we that we convene and we bring together through the standards table.
0: That's great. Nobody's nobody's working in a vacuum in in this industry.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I think what we recognize and understand right there is is you know people always ask. So why are you standardizing? Why do you recruit people to come in and standardize? Well, it, it has to do with with our mantra. At the end of the day, we want to enhance safety. We want to create common language from a global aspect improve the environment, harmonize global markets, um, facilitate trade through regulations. But more importantly, too, it truly increases productivity and processes for industry and and the companies within that industry. It makes engineering easier. It reduces costs. It it, it truly permits common interfaces with other uh, industries and and cross industries, um, i.e., for example, looking at the future of automated driving. Um, You you need not only now the vehicle, but you also need the infrastructure around that vehicle to communicate with that vehicle. So it brings other industries together to unite and communicate in in a harmonious way. And then at the end of the day, deliver a safe product through standardization.
0: Very cool. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to uh, chat with us today for uh, everybody that's listening to the podcast wherever they may be. Uh, uh, Remind me again, where is the uh, website that people can check out more information or potentially apply?
2: SAE.org. And, and that is really easy. And then just follow the standards link and they can uh, peruse there and just go throughout um, the, the website. It's very intuitive.
0: Can you give an example of these, uh, you know, new technologies coming up that the standards are, are really important for, you know, you know, in that aspect of being on the same page as we're developing and moving forward?
1: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So um, so I think, firstly, it's, it's important to note that standards are, are no longer just harmonizing or stabilizing existing designs and processes. The standards table that we have at SAE is now being used to actually to advance technologies providing an agreed baseline on which people will innovate. And this is also critical in increasing time to market, where standards are developed collaboratively across industries and directly to support the regulatory framework. And that in turn gives industry and research partners, who are the innovators, the opportunity to play a direct role in partnership with the, with the government. And also, as we, as we will talk in more detail about particular technologies and standards for these markets, Another key initiative at SAE right now is cross-sector collaboration. so for the first time we are very deliberately bringing together the technical community through our standards committees to share lessons learned to identify common requirements build on existing solutions and diversify um, supply chains so some examples of new technologies being addressed in our in a, in, in our aerospace standards program include electrification particularly supporting advanced air mobility, air taxis and, and so on. And actually on that point, a lot of what's being done there in electrification is being taken and built on from the tremendous advances that have been made in the ground vehicle sectors. In addition to that, there are other alternative fuels and hydrogen. There's additive manufacturing or 3D printing. There's a huge amount around digital transformation and the role of, uh, of, of data that can support health management, prognostics and other areas. Artificial intelligence and machine learning is a is another key enabler to that that we're standardising now, and then and then that also goes into support automated and unmanned systems, the processes, the mechanisms, but also critically the safety case, and of course all of that needs to be underpinned by cyber security. And I'll leave I'll, I'll let Christian tell you about some of the exciting things in the ground vehicle area, but it will be interesting to see where the commonalities are between those sectors.
2: Yes, and, and, and thanks, David. At, at the end of the day, SE standards uh, have a huge advanced technology focus right now. Obviously, we understand that we still have brakes. We still have certain materials that are, that are pretty standard throughout. And, and, and don't forget about the motor oil. We get all of that. And we have to maintain those. But at the end of the day, we're also focused on wireless charging, driver and vehicle interface. Um, we're looking at moving forward to driver monitoring systems down the road. Um, electronic system reliability is critical. Um, we also focus heavily on vehicle electronics and cybersecurity. Understanding that a vehicle nowadays has more um, code, line of code, than an F-16 fighter. Um, that is how advanced these vehicles are becoming that, that, that we sit in and drive around every day. Um, we're looking at intelligent transport systems, and that obviously uh, leads into the communication with the connected vehicles to not only vehicle to vehicle, but vehicle to infrastructure and vehicle to people and other types of mobile devices. Um, We have mobility for elderly and persons of disability that we're focusing on. Micro and shared mobility is vitally critical. And obviously everybody is, is somewhat in tune with electrification, which is maybe not as glamorous and as exciting as an automated system, but it has its challenges as well especially from an infrastructure point of view, from charging point of view, from the protocol of charging and from the interoperability with charging and with with the customer and with the vehicle and with the electric space. It is um, um, in the utility space It is quite challenging. And those are some of the exciting fronts that we are working on from the emerging technology space.
0: Incredible, there's a lot going on. It's, it's I, I love seeing um, what's coming out of this, of course seeing what's happening and developing at these these competitions and the conversations about these kinds of standards and the conferences and everything. Um, it is a really important thing, so a, a nice look. Thank you so much guys for uh, for introducing us to these concepts.
2: Thank you so very much.
0: Thank you. Scott, did you learn a little bit something about the, the standards practices today? I learned
3: so much. I knew I would say embarrassingly little for working at SAE about this. And now I feel like I belong when I go into the office now.
0: There you go. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, of course, if you're uh, checking us out for the first time or if you're over on the YouTube stream for this or something, make sure you do subscribe so you do not miss an episode of the SAE CDS podcast. And of course, hear Scott's lovely voice on the uh, monthly news update as we head through the seasons. Uh, thank you so much. and Until next time, stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to Baja SAE Shot Talk. As always, we want to hear from you. So email BajaSAE at SAE.org. The show notes for this episode, as well as all others, can be found at wwwbahasaenet slash podcast. Stay safe and we'll catch you next episode.